Yeah, cool. I would say so. What would you say the 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 one like game you want to let's play the most would be? And I'm not even talking about horror. I mean, you could go horror if you specifically want to talk about what we're eventually gonna do on the on the YouTube, but. Hmm. You could take it anyway. Hmm. You mentioned that you'd probably do like a video essay. There are are games that I've been thinking about recently that... You just want to break down. I just want to break them down. I just want to break them down. Uh, I may have mentioned it on this podcast, and if I do, sorry. Um, The Beginner's Guide? I don't know that. So, it's it's not a big long story. It's just this guy, you open up the game, this guy's like, Hi, I'm a game designer. And I have this other friend who's also a game designer, and these are a collection of some of his games. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. He's lying. Okay. But that's the conceit that you believe for most of the game. And it's an example of, like House of Leaves, it's an example of I like that. something that can only happen in that medium. Yes. So like it can't be a it can't be a book. Like Pets Cop. Like Pets Cop can yes. only be a YouTube series. That's right. Yes. It it can only exist in that medium. So it's not like a you know I watched all of Pets Cop, by the way. Did you really? Tell me, tell me your thoughts. I haven't. Oh. I've watched people... I've watched, like, the first ten episodes. I stopped at, like, ten-ish. There's a point in time where I was physically watching it while Googling several different things. Mm-hmm. And I found myself down a rabbit hole of several conclusions that made me feel very uncomfortable. Right. And it operated on, like, several different levels... Of uncomfortability, like both physically, mentally, emotionally, and like, and I'm still watching it, so kind of like even more physically, and um, and it was just it was very intriguing. It never got me to the point where I was like, oh, I'm terrified, but like, right. it was unsettling. It's unsettling. It was surprising, and I don't know if I'll ever see anything like that ever again. You know. It's funny you should mention that when we're talking about like let's plays and, mm-hmm. and video essays because mm-hmm. I thought about that same subject too because there's another creator who did a very good analysis of uh, Pets Cop. Shout him out. Nightmare Masterclass. Okay. The name of the YouTube. I tried to make my own conclusions before I delved into reviews. Right. Because I felt like I was watching a movie. I don't. I don't watch many movie reviews, albeit Red Letter Media. So it's just like, yeah, they're great. Um, I didn't so much feel like I had to go and find an explanation for Pat's Cop. I was intrigued by Pat's Cop while I was watching it to kind of research and do my own thing. Right. But afterwards, I saw tons of like 
Petscop explained, blah blah, breaking down Petscop, yeah. and I, I watched a couple, and and now that I, you know, now that I have a better handle on everything, like another layer was exposed to me that I wasn't sure about, and I was just like, okay, like, makes sense. We've now explained the entire thing about it that I'm no longer. I no longer find it creepy or scary anymore, right. but it was it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm still in it in terms of figuring out like that. You know, there are certain elements like the, the child abuse part of it and the abandonment and whatever. Yep, like that's pretty clear, but it's still like unclear like who he's creating, who created the game, and, and for what purpose, and why yeah. are why are the let's plays happening, and like yeah. what does he want out of this? Yeah. So, I forgot what episode cool. you brought that up on. Um, it was a while ago, though. Yeah. Episode uh, 204. Yeah, 204. Yep. And this is episode 125. Yep. Just to stamp that in there real yep. quick. 100%. Uh, I am here with Django Phillips. Django. And uh, I've given... I've let in... I've liked to... I like to put it this way. I've let you slumber... For a while to give you a break after what we had been through. Do you know what um, happened after we recorded the last episode? What? I went to the store and I bought 12 loaves of bread. Yes. Which, if you do the quick calculations, that's 144 slices. I didn't know that. I ate them all in one sitting. Mm-hmm. I fell asleep and I woke up two hours ago. Good. I was in hibernation. Extended hibernation. Yes. And now I feel pretty good. I could use a cup of coffee, but I feel pretty good otherwise. My mind broke into, like, conspiracy theory. Like, is that enough calories? Like, did you intake enough food to actually last the kind of, like... 100%. Three months it's been since you've last been here. And I'm 100%. like, is that enough loaves of bread? Is that enough slices? Yeah, because if you think about each each slice of bread has... Were you warm enough to maintain, like, what, living 4, temperature? 4,000 calories? It's about 4,000 calories, right? Two days worth of food? Slice of bread? So you multiply that... But the nutrients... By 144. totally off. There's vitamins... Potassium. There's potassium. There's so much potassium. Are you dead? (laughs) (laughs) I think in this situation you might be dead. Potassium. (laughs) So a lot has happened since all I wanted to all I wanted to say was a lot has happened since your last episode. Yeah. Um we finished left right game. It was it was fucking everything I wanted it to be and more. Um we had such a fun time reading that. Um and it was kind of broken. It was. It kind of got broke for me near the end because I realized that the voice I was doing for Rob and the voice Tenron was doing for Alice, we realized was Dex and Obi Wan from the diner scene of Attack of the Clones, and it broke us. It broke us down both mentally and physically because I realized I was doing the voice of Dex. I was talking like this the entire story. And uh, and he was doing like the, oh, hello Rob, I'm British, and and like I, it killed me. It killed me when he made that joke at the end of part five. Um, <laughs> it it has now ruined the entire series for me. I can't listen to it. Um, but anyway, uh, what was the last thing you and I did? Oh oh my god. Um, Do you even remember? I think we were talking about they just released new Coke uh, and Madonna just put out a new single. Yeah. And we were talking about those like current events. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Uh, did we 
Did we finish that mining story? Mm-hmm. Is that what happened? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, yeah, the mining story. <laughs> <laughs> the only, so far, as far as I know, the only story on this series that has needed a correction <laughs> and that has needed an addendum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we really fucked up. We missed, we missed a lot of, uh, we missed uh, so much stuff, so much relevant stuff. <laughs> To what makes the story work that I had to, like, have you come back really quickly Mm -hmm. to soberly record a couple minutes, like, 15 minutes with me where we just say, all right, so we were pretty fucked up when we read this. We were pretty fucked up when we read this. So if if everyone would be okay with us, we're just going to soberly talk about what happened in the last. Yeah, that was the only time that's happened so far. That's so funny. It's pretty hilarious. Pretty great. How did how did you feel about Baraska? Uh, I don't know. I, I liked it. Um, I thought it was above average in terms of writing quality of like the some of the stuff we've we've uh, read on here. Yeah, I think I think it kind of jumped the shark at the end. How so? Because um, it was like it was it was bizarre. The whole I I, I mentioned this I think in the episode. The whole fucking. We threw our babies in the machine. Why? Like, why? Other than the fact that it's creepy. Why? If they were deformed... You just shoot them. You just stab them. And it was the wimp... It was the little girls they were throwing in the machine, mostly. When they were done using the little girls, they, they would throw them out. That was my only issue. It was like, I love the sex cult thing. I thought it was great. I the baby the, mill. The baby mill. Awesome. Like... Very good. Very good. The machine... Mm, okay, fine. You know. The shiny gentleman. <laughs> That is what they call him in the... Anyway, I I don't want to, like... I don't want to get into it too quick. Maybe I do. Uh, I'm going to grab something. Us. I saw Us. I saw Us. What did you think of Us? I liked Us. I loved Us. I liked Us a lot. I have some issues with it, but I liked it. We saw Us, me and the parents and my GF. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, they liked it. But oh, like, I need to try that. That looks phenomenal. What? What? I don't need it. I just want to try it. Well, no. I don't. I don't care what I get from this. Well, I already have a whiskey to myself. I I only wanted to to take a little sip. Sip. Let me pour a tiny bit of your scotch in my beer bottle, and then you can try a sip. Sip. Yeah, I mean, I could get you a cup. No, no. I just want to try it. Unadulterated. I was gonna say you could just sip it out of the bottle. Ew, there's cuties. I mean, I'm the one who would be offended, right? Because your lips would have touched my bottle. That's also gonna like, that's gonna make the taste weird. Adulterate the. It's, taste in, your, it's in your beer. Nah. <laughs> Maybe not. Nah. It's good though. Yeah, I thought us was a uh, was was pretty much great. I thought it was okay. Controversial statement, I thought it was better than Get Out. That's what I thought. Slightly. I thought it was slightly better than Get Out. So did I. And the yeah. people I saw it with, which were Tenron Otrin, Harold Heavyhands, and Terry the Tickler, um, they all thought Get Out was better. Yeah. No, I thought I thought I, I thought Us was better. I thought Us was better. And I thought I only thought Us was better because I felt like it tapped into like an art house J horror thing that I that I hadn't realized I've missed so much in a, in a very long time. Um, it has a surrealness that isn't so much terrifying as it is 
unsettling, much like Pets Cop. It's not that I am visually being terrified, but I am being shown a very, very interesting and unsettling story, and I'm watching it artistically, sometimes dialoguelessly, unfold in front right. of me. And I and there's an artistry at development there that reminds me only of stuff in J horror. I I would more specifically think about how the uh, Junji Ito manga books go, like just how they unfold slowly, but they have a human element to them, and and you know the facial expressions of the characters are are supposed to you know give this idea of otherness, right? And um, I don't know something about Get Out's whole rich white people want their brains and young hot black bodies just doesn't it doesn't <laughs> like it doesn't sell to me okay cuz i think racist upper class rich white people would rather be white than ever be black i think i you that can make kind the of argument. Bre- yeah. that kind of breaks the movie for right. me so seeing a much easier to to swallow like supernatural thing at work here mm-hmm. um, presented in such a light made me very happy. Yeah. I was very happy with it. I've already seen it twice. Yeah, it was it was good. Really good. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Yeah, go see it. We're not like we don't really even need to talk about what what like we felt about the movie. It's just it it's a very good movie going experience. There aren't many movies like it that I could compare it to. Um I would say if you liked us, go watch Neon Demon, um, the Nicholas Winding Refn film, the horror film that came out oh, two, yeah. two or so years ago about the modeling industry. Oh yeah, um, shit! I forgot. Really, about really fun. Yeah. It's the director of Drive for people who like Drive. Uh, he it was his most recent movie. I would consider it an art house horror. So to watch an art house horror, Mandy, art house horror. I would put us in that category. Yeah. Art Agreed. house horror, uh, really slick, well composed shots. Yeah. Um, I wish it was a little bit more bleak. I wish it was a little bit more realistic. Neither are things I can really hold against the movie. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, I just let the movie do what it's doing, and I don't care so much. Yeah. That's no, cool. It is good. It that is, is good. That is good scotch. Is it's very good. It's very good. Yeah, drinking the drinking more of the Shackleton. Here today, uh, I mentioned that on episode one nineteen with Doctor Ankenstein, we read the uh, the history of Shackleton whiskey, uh, Scotch whiskey. Now that is made from seal blubber, right? It's that melted is made down seal melted blubber. down seal blubber. That's, here, here on, here on what what was the show you wanted you wanted to make a show all about seal blubber at one point? It was all about, <laughs> about knives and seals. cutting seal blubber, and specifically the knives effect on seal blubber. And how quickly what? you could cut through seal blubber. You don't remember this, but Listen, it's absolutely something you've said before. When you hit record and we start the episode, the next thing I remember is waking up the next morning. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. I just blank out. It's almost like you go home and like you take a roofie after every episode <laughs> to like forget to forget the prior like four hours. I take like twelve shots and then I just go to bed. Okay. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I don't know what that says about your performance on this show, but... Or about my drinking habits. (laughs) Yeah, your clear issues in life. Could be a lot of things. Uh, Yeah, no joke. (laughs) And, and, 
yeah, we're we're here, episode one twenty five. Your last episode, I think, was like one ten or something, like in there. We we had just gotten done finishing Baraska, and I felt like it like really fucked me up. Like I, <laughs> I didn't like it. Like it hurt me to read. Wasn't, yeah, and I mean, I did like it because it haunted me. It was a good story. It could have been a single part shorter. He could have. Cut. It could have just been slimmed in general. Yeah. but I I find yeah. that. I find that funny. Better. I find that funny that that's your first comment. Um, you don't know why yet. It's pretty good though. The babies are in the sandwiches. <laughs> the Everyone's meat, turning into a sandwich Prescott's, artist. Prescott's artisanal sandwiches. How can we forget? Can I have extra meat? No, we don't do double meat. <laughs> actually, <What>? actually, yes. <laughs> it's just the baby inside the sandwich. It's not even. It's cut. still alive. <laughs> it's just. Oh, it was then that I knew there was something off about this town. <laughs> As I bit into the baby's leg. Give me, real quick, <laughs> real quick before we jump into it, what is the one thing you would want to let's play the most? Uh, honestly, probably like Killer 7. That would be so much fun. That would be amazing. Just to have the creepy ass dude in the gimp suit just be like, grr, grr, I, that would make your entire episode. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to say anything. We don't have to play the game. Would you want to let's? Would you want to let's play Killer Seven? Absolutely. Put it on your list. Put it on list. No, I think that's what's funny about this. Oh, you have. For- oh, that's just because I know he's always been interested in watching it. So maybe he could even pop in for for the recording. Yeah, do a threesome. We yeah, we could do as many people as we want. It's funny. Also, this is the this is the list. <laughs> Nice. But I find it funny that you that you said that because uh, oh, I'm next to Silent Hill. Of that, course, that would be that second place. And this this also interests me because I'm such a fucking pussy about playing it. I'm into it. I'm into it. I'm and ter- I think I'm I the think worst at playing that game. If we do that game, we should turn on the sound thing. No, yeah, ruin the. We're talking about alien. Play. We're talking about alien isolation, and he's telling me right now <laughs> that we have to turn on the sound thing so that I'm narrating what I'm scared about yeah. for the for the LP, to, and the alien can hear me talking. Perfect. It's like it's, can you stay where you're seated. <laughs> you're the alien. You just fell out of the shaft, and you hear me over here like this. Oh, I hate this part. Oh, of the man, I'm going to eat that I kid. Hate, I hate this part of the episode where I have to... I hope he doesn't hear me. <laughs> oh! <laughs> oh, it's just like, it obviously hears me talking from all the way across the room. And when you put the sound on thing, it's just going to make me a lit up fucking beacon. Yo. No matter what room I'm Gotta in. Gotta do it. Gotta Absolutely do it. not. No then other it, option. It turns more into a chase game nope. than it does... Gotta do it. Oh my god. (laughs) That's painful to imagine. Oh, it's gonna be great. Cause like Gnarly Charlie, like when that game was first released, we we tried playing through it together, like overnight. And he did have that setting on, and it absolutely did fuck with us. It's not great. I don't wanna do it. (laughs) I don't wanna do it again. It's agreed. We're both on the same page. It's great. Good. Great. Good, good, good. Yeah, uh, this you, you brought out Arnold Palmer spiked, and I was like, "Hat," which I think they missed an opportunity because it should be Arnold Palmer teed, hat teed up, T T A T T and A, 
And then they just give him titties on the can. Big old titties. <laughs> Arnold Titties Palmer. <laughs> Bringing it back. Famous middle name. Famous nickname. <laughs> hey, titties. Arnold Palmer. Titties. Hey, titties. Hit that ball. Hey, titties. Nice slice. Swing that club, titties. It tastes like normal. Can I have some of your lemonade, titties? <laughs> you mixing up that iced tea there, titties? If you want this, I won't get something else. That's, honestly. It's pretty good. Do it. Do it. I, I'm not married to anything in that case. Green Apple Angry Orchard is so Listen, good. So good. I don't want to do advertisements on this podcast, but I do want to do anti-advertisements. Wow. If you're... Uh, I've never seen this. It's... It, yeah. So keep that one. Don't... Yeah. If you're going to go for uh, beer or wine, uh, supermarkets are a great choice. I'm not going to say which one. Weiss. But if you're going to go for cider, don't do it. Don't do it. I like these Sucks. two. Well, pick which one you... All right, give me this. Yeah, that's what I meant. Cool. <laughs> I mean, I just want to try them. I don't even need to drink them, really. They're yours, man. They're here. Um, look in that one drawer. I have a couple other Strongbows there in case any of those interest you. I think one of them might be a different flavor. I like cider. I'm not really a cider boy. Huh. I like there's a um all that i meant by that was there's like a rosé strongbow in there no that sounds good you don't like pinks no that sounds I, that sounds tasty that sounds like a tasty treat i like pinks <clears throat> no making me I, feel bad no, 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 no. <laughs> rosé is it's, ooh, that's good <laughs> And naturally, if you want some whiskey, I will give you some whiskey. Um, Scotch is good, though. All right. Is this where I is this where Go. I let you know Go. what's going on today? Go. Because, uh... Fuck. Here's my thing. Like, everyone else will have seen the title card and, like, know exactly what we're doing. And I've made a point not to tell you for so long what oh, we're no. doing today that I, like, got really... I got really excited, and now I'm, like, slightly disappointed... But I just want to get your reaction on it, like, first thing in the minute I bring it up. Well, now it's gonna it's gonna live up to the hype for sure. It's not gonna be a disappointment. What the fuck? <laughs> Are you serious? What the fuck is this? Did you write this? No, he did. No! <laughs> guess, guess what he did after we finished part four. He released a, like, 20-chapter part five. Like, oh. a whole nother book about what happens after the first one. No! <laughs> no! <laughs> do you not want to well, do it? it was fun! <laughs> do you not want to do it's it? fun shit, man. Cool. Cool podcast. Love it. See you later. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by. And that was episode 125 oh. with Django Phillips. We can do it. It's fine. Do you want to do it? We can do it. Okay. We read part four? Yeah. Do we read parts one through three? Yeah. Oh, so we read part four. Part four was when we ended. Yeah. Okay. And then that that's all that came out till like 2012. And then literally at the start of 2019, he just released a, a part five. 
and you and I missed it. I want to address something because I think the timing is not a coincidence. I want to address the author of Baraska. C.K. Walker. C.K. Walker, I know that you released a fifth part after our podcast. And I just want to say that I hate you. And if I find you, I'm going to smack you in the face. <laughs> really hard. Did you not enjoy Baraska enough to continue Barasking? I was driving here and I was like, you know what? It's I'm sure it's going to be a good episode. But if there's not Baraska, it's not up my Aska. <laughs> I said that to myself and then oh. you pulled it up and I, I was overcome with joy. That was not frustration. That, that was joy. That, that was made, joy. That made you almost leave. That just made me now. almost quit. I almost quit out of out of exhilaration. Out of joy. And anticipation. And excitement. Whew. So excited. I do have something else if you want to read something else. <sighs> have you vetted this story? Absolutely not. Let's read it. <laughs> Honestly, that, we, should, we should read it. I think we should. We should read Cause, it. Because, like, hear, hear me out for a second here. Yep. When I had you come back and we kind of touched up. Wait, wait, wait. Do this again. So I'll hear you out. I'll, at the part where I disagree, I'm going to say disagree. Sure. Okay. From the point I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> let me, let me just say something. Okay. <clears throat> don't don't interrupt me All right. this time. Fine. When we had you come back to help me re-explain the ending, not by myself, because that would have been upsetting. Um, I've done that before for other stories, and I don't want to do it on, on Baraska. So I had you come back, and we both talked about the ending of the series and how it made us feel, specifically. Angry. Mostly, yeah. <laughs> and this offers us Almost a chance at, like, freedom with understanding this story a little bit. Because if there's more to it, then I might finally get some, like, conflict resolution, you know? Like, the way the, fin the, way the last part ended more so upset me because of the character of Sam's unwillingness to take control of his life. I, if you remember what I was saying, I said, if this was me, nothing would stop me from getting revenge on the people who did this to me. Right. Like, I would absolutely ruin their fucking lives. Go like, ham. I would find a way to do that. Mm -hmm. And this almost offers me respite at the fact that maybe Sam gets revenge on these people. And, and that's where I have to ask, does that then break the story? I know that this is going to be kind of a weighted judgment uh, over over these next what what I've broken up into three episodes between okay. you and I reading this whole sequel narration to Baraska. Mm -hmm. um, I think we're going to read the first six chapters today. It's like f roughly fifty pages. It's less than than what we did last time. Okay, we're going to get through it faster than last time. Okay, but does the fact that a sequel narrative exists? break the finality and almost like depressiveness of the last part. I like your idea that it's almost therapeutic for us. We can almost gain a sense of closure. 
I'm speaking more so specifically with me because I remember you kind of thinking the ending the ending has to end that way. Yeah. You kind of bought into the finality of it. You were like you were like, no, that's real life. People ignore problems and move on, you know, like they, they run away from shit. Right. And I was like, absolutely not. If if you were a human and everything you lived for was just obliterated in front of you, then you have nothing left to lose. If CK that decides was, that's what that's where you and I Different. Different. Yeah. Is, is after having everything to lose, what do you do? And right. you said, walk away from the situation. I said, f- fucking ruin the situation. Right. Ruin everyone who had a hand in the situation. If he wants to retcon everything that happened and make this kid go back and fucking crack some skulls, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I think, I think we should. It's interesting, though, right? Like, in in the span of the time that you've last been on this episode, we've read stuff like uh, Ted the Caver, uh, Dianea House, um, a couple really cool little um, shorter one-off stories. Yeah. Um, but this is the first time, I'd say, since Whistler's, where I'm forced to kind of ask myself if this is worth getting into. Like, is this worth changing my perspective on something we thought was finished. Like, we read... Tenron and I read Whistler's 1 and 2 back-to-back. Right. That's a two-part... That's 59 and 60. You could listen to that. Weeks later, months later, I found out that there was a a complete rewrite, same author, from the male character's perspective. And we called it, like, the part three and slapped it on, and it's now a three-part series. Okay. The third part changes everything. The other character's perspective changes everything. It's right. almost like he he said, no, 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 and then just wrote a whole new thing. That's, that's what it was. So if that's what CK does here, then I might be upset. Well, I think we gotta read it. Yeah. I think we gotta dive in. Do you have any, any prior thoughts or anything to, to bring to the table? Uh, fuck. And um, that's fuck. pretty much it. Fuck. Yep. All right. Yep. Okay. Um, fuck. Do you want to start? Um, or do you want sure. me to start? You can start. I'll start. This is uh this is gonna be Braska, and uh, this is episode one twenty five. I'm surprising Django Phillips with the Braska part. Braska five. part five. A new hope. <laughs> um, can it's you empire? Like, you dick. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> fucking serious. Can you like unzoom it or zoom it less? How long had I been asleep? And when had I realized that I wasn't anymore? I watched the ceiling fan circle slowly above me, doing nothing to dissipate the clouds of cigarette smoke that had drifted above my room for years. I started most mornings this way. But no, it wasn't morning, was it? I turned my head towards the bedroom window and confirmed the sky was dark outside of it. The last thing I recalled was being in the bathroom, and then silence and sweet darkness. Seth. I sat up and chugged an old bottle of water sitting on the floor next to the bed and threw the empty bottle at my closet door. I lit a cigarette and took a long drag, releasing a cloud of smoke up into the apathetic fan. It floated idly above me. Pulling on an old hoodie, I walked out in the small living room of the apartment I shared with my roommate. Evening, princess. Seth was reclining on the end of the couch, fingers flying across the keyboard of a notebook sitting in his lap. Oh, sorry. Oh. That's the first thing I thought. A confusing yet edgy indie movie played on the TV in front of him. 
This was pretty much Seth's life on any given day, and it perfectly summed up all of my interactions with him since I'd moved in. Well, all of my sober interactions with him anyway. I pulled down on my sleeves to subconsciously hide my arms like it made any sort of difference. But of course it didn't. Seth already knew. He noticed what I was doing and his smile fell into a sobering look. Found you passed out in the bathroom again. Sorry. I rasped and reached for a half can of Mountain Dew that had been sitting on the counter for God knows how long. Code red. Ugh. God. You do realize how difficult it is for me to drag a six foot three dude out of the bathtub and down the hall to his room? Next time, just leave me there, man. Hardly. You would have choked on your own vomit. I shrugged. I knew this was the death lurking in my future anyway. But heroin afforded me one convenience that I refused to part with. A dreamless sleep. I'd die before I'd surrender that. Besides, if the nightmares came back, I'd probably just kill myself anyway. You had some visitors today while you were passed out. Dreddy stopped by. Oh, yeah? Yep. He left you more drugs. Said you could pay him when you had the money, you know? He must be the sweetest, most generous drug dealer in all of Chicago. Where is it? You were sleeping like a baby in the tub, so I just left it next to you. Seth said. Cool. In the toilet. Dude. Look, man. If you die, I don't get your half of the rent. And if I don't get your half of the rent, I have to get a real job. It's just business. It's not personal. Of course, that wasn't true. Seth and I had met at a darker time in both our lives and shared the sort of bond that is only forged in such circumstances. Who was the other? I asked. The other what? The other visitor. Ah, the girl, actually. I told her you were out. Figured you'd prefer I tell her that over the truth. Did she say what she wanted? I asked. No. I swore. That was never good. It was probably just some girl coming over to beg for free drugs, which I didn't currently have because Seth flushed them down the toilet. And I would never let her touch my private stash. That had to be it. What the fuck else could she want? When I heard private stash, I thought, like, not this stash. No, that's that's what he's talking about. No, this stash. No, he has his stash right here. No, he has like a literal mustache a on, pubic hair? on his dick. He has a pubic hair stash? In between the balls and dick. This is what's my private stash. Like the stash. dick is the nose. Seth can never take two things from me. My heroin and my private stash. Great. So some chick either wants a hookup or is coming over to tell me she's pregnant. Unless that was you. That was. It was. But ambiguous. Great. So some chick either wants a hookup or is coming over to tell me she's pregnant. Seth Scott. <laughs> you wish. This chick was way beyond anything you could ever get. Really? Because she did come asking for me, didn't she? Sure, but I'm the one who got her number. No, you fucking didn't. I laughed as I walked into the kitchen and took one of our three glasses out of the cupboard. Oh, I did. Seth held up a torn shard of white paper. She gave it to me and asked me to call her when you came home. He used air quotes in the last two words. Yeah, well, don't. I don't want anything to do with... There was a knock at the door. (laughs) I I shot Seth a poisonous look. What? He threw his hands and stood up. She's really hot, and you can't stand in the way of true love. Don't open it. I warned as he walked over the door. Sorry, Sam, but you know I have a thing for redheads. Redheads? What? Do I know any redheads? I couldn't place one for the life of me. And then Seth opened the door to reveal Kimberd Starro standing on the other side. I suddenly felt like a bucket of ice water had been dumped on my soul. I had a few seconds to study her before her eyes found me leaning against the counter in the kitchen. 
She was still very short, but her hair was longer. Halfway down her back, it looked like. She was, of course, almost ten years older than the last time I'd seen her. Looking at her after all these years was physically crippling. I had to make a concentrated effort to stay on my feet while my knees tried to buckle beneath me. Just seeing her face brought back painful mem memories I thought long buried. She was like a mirage, long dead, returning to torture me. Kimber's eyes finally found me as she nervously clutched herself under her hands, turning it over and over again against her chest. Hi, Sam, she said with more confidence than she clearly felt. Since Kimber had actually spoken to me, I could probably confirm that this wasn't a nightmare. She was really here. And if she was real, that meant that it was real too. A shudder racked through my body and I wound my white knuckle fingers against the edge of the countertop. Why are you here? I hadn't meant to sound so angry. My words seemed to rattle Kimber, and she took a step back. I... well, I... Seth watched the exchange with interest but didn't intervene. You shouldn't be here, Kimber, I said. I just wanted her to leave. This needed to end before I lost it. After she was gone, I could pretend she was just a nightmare seeping through the veil. Kimber hesitated. I saw her calculating in her mind as she watched me, her lips moving only slightly as she organized all the variables in her head. It was such a Kimber thing to do, and it made me realize how much I missed her. I saw the exact moment Kimber found in her mind what she was looking for. Did you get my letter? She asked. Yes. And? And I threw it away. Lies. She faltered for only a moment. Did you read it? I didn't say anything, but I knew she could read the answer on my face. When neither of us spoke, an awkward tension began to bleed into the room. So I'm Seth, my roommate said, so casually leaning against the door. Kimber held my stare for a moment longer, and then broke it to finally walk into the room. Seth let the door close behind her. Kimber, she said to him. And how do you know Sam? We grew up together. Neat. Sam and I were cellmates in prison. Seth! I snapped. I was in for a super sexy felony. Computer crimes. Sam was in for... I swear to God, Seth. I warned. Harder stuff. Good night, all. He said cheerfully and left the room. I kept my eyes on him as he made his way down the hall to his room, cursing his every step. When Seth's door had finally closed behind him, I reluctantly let my gaze drift back into the room. Kimber was watching me with an expression I couldn't read, but I didn't like it. The letter. She repeated. Yes, I read it. Kimber continued to stare at me, waiting for more, and she cracked me just that easily. I don't know what to say. I ran my hands through my mess of dark, unwashed hair. I'm sorry that we couldn't... that we didn't... Sam, stop. I'm not here for apologies. I don't need one. You guys got me out. Kyle got you out. His name seemed to impale her. I wonder how long it had been since she heard it. Well, that's kind of why I'm here. There are others, Sam. Women who never escaped that place. Yeah. I want to help them. How? I want Drisking to be exposed. I want what they've done to be known to the world. Yeah. So do I. So do a lot of people. But the majority of us aren't in a position to do anything about it. I needed a drink. I pulled a plastic bottle of cheap vodka from the freezer and poured it in the glass. Do you want some? I asked, almost as an afterthought. God, yes. Kimber said, and I took another glass down from the cupboard, filled it, and handed it to her. She drank, she drank half of it in one sip, which seemed to steady her. So what do you want from me, Kimber? 
I asked as she set the glass down. I want you to come back to Drisking with me. I laughed and then tipped my glass back, allowing the hot sting of the alcohol to unfurl down my throat. I'm serious, Sam. Yeah, and the answer is no. We'd never leave that place alive. We did once. We're not going back. I have a contact. You know, some... someone on the inside. The inside of what? Drisking? Baraska? The sheriff's office? They know stuff, okay, and they're willing to help us. That's all we need to know. No, we need a lot more information than that. And you'll get it. Later. After we get there. Did you really come all the way from California to ask me this? After nine years? Actually, I wasn't asking. Kimber looked at me coolly and crossed her arms in front of her with ironclad conviction. This wasn't the Kimber I remembered. I didn't know this woman. So somebody told you that they were going to help you take down a very highly connected and protected crime syndicate, and you believed them. I didn't say that. So you don't trust them? I didn't say that either. Yeah. Well, this isn't happening. We'd be dead the minute we crossed the county line. Are you saying you won't go? Fuck no, I won't go. I said, pouring myself some more vodka. All right. Kimber said and set her glass on the table beside her. Well, thank you for the drink, but I have to go. Something lurched inside of me. I couldn't let her leave. Not when I'd just gotten her back. So why was I being such a dick? Wait. I took a step toward her before I realized what I'd done. Where are you going? I told you. She snapped and she started towards the door. I'm going to Drisking. I was on her before she finished her sentence and yanked her away from the door. The hell you are! I told you I was going, Sam. I fucking meant it. I didn't know you meant to... I didn't know you intended to go alone. That's goddamn suicide. I don't care. It needs to end. Why does it have to be you? I pled desperately. My heart began to sink as I realized I did know this Kimber. Her mind was made up and there would be no stopping her. Who else, Sam? Who else but us? There's no one. The thought of my best friend back at that place seared my brain like a hot iron. I had to make Kimber see reason, even if I had to hurt her. There was no other way. So after what Killian Clary did to you, after all you suffered to Paraska, you want to go back? She snatched her arm back from my grasp. Yes, because there are other people still suffering as we stand here arguing about this. We shouldn't have waited this long to try and help them. No, wait, we can think this through. I'll try again with the FBI, the cops, Interpol. I don't know, whoever will listen. Did that work before? She asked. It hadn't. Sam, if I try to report the... (sighs) What happened to me, I'll show up on their radar immediately and be dead by morning. No more pretensions, no more manipulations. I had to bear my soul to this girl if I wanted to stop her. Please, I said desperately. Please, Kimber, I'm begging you not to make me do this. I'm sorry, but I'm going. I was panicking, unable to control my breathing and the pounding of my heart, which was racing to a finish line that lay somewhere in the immediate future. Fuck! I screamed and swept Kimber's vodka glass off the table to where it shattered against the wall. Fuck! This didn't seem to surprise her, and Kimber kept her composure while I raged. Fuck! It was over. I was going to Trisking. <laughs> Fuck! Fuck! Yeah, it's pretty accurate. Yeah. So, um, so so far, this author is a real big fan of Jurassic World, the new the new movie <laughs> from Universal Studios, where where Clive Owen, no, Chris Pratt, Clive really Owen. doesn't want to. He plays a character named Owen. The dinosaurs have a problem. They can't have babies anymore, and no one knows why. And the mm-hmm. dinosaur society is fucking tearing themselves apart. 
And yeah. Clive Owen meets this black dinosaur. What's funny is you're kind of still describing <laughs> Jurassic World. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> they can't make babies anymore. They are self-sufficient. They are going to die. They are going to go extinct. Um, yeah, and, and you know, it's the whole, like, uh, oh, I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> you know, it's like the, you can't make me go back there. I can't believe I'm going back there. <laughs> like... <laughs> it's the it's the stereotypical restart to the narrative. The Gilligan cut. Is that what it That's is? That's what it is in uh, filmmaking. If if your character says, "Yeah, there's no way we're doing that," and then it cuts to them doing them that. Them doing that. That's, the that's known as a Gilligan. The Gilligan cut. Yeah. I feel like I should have known that, but I <laughs> but I absolutely didn't. It's, I spend way too much time on TV tropes. It's okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. <sighs> Uh, how do you feel so far? Let's do it. Uh, I, I feel, uh, yeah, this is, uh, yep, uh-huh. Chapter two. All right, you want to flip? Yeah. Yeah. I watched the vodka drip down the wall where I'd hurled it. If it wasn't, if I wasn't so terrified, I would have been embarrassed by my outburst, but I couldn't stop the shaking. Deep breaths, one problem at a time. I need to wipe off the wall, pick up the glass, and then I could go die in Missouri. I let out a pathetic sob. Sam, I won't let anything happen to you. I gave her a ludicrous look. Luda? <laughs> How could such a tiny person stop anything from happening to me? Kimber had always been a little fireball, but this was madness. Madness! She raised her chin defiantly when she saw me assessing her. When are we leaving? I asked, trying to keep my voice as composed as possible. All I wanted to do was retreat into my room where I could let the fear overtake me. In the morning, she said. That's fucking crazy, Kimber. We need time to plan, and I need the contact number for this source of yours. We can't go waltzing into town after a decade. I've had a lot of time to prepare for this. Years, in fact. Look... Tomorrow, let's just get in the car and go, and I'll have the entire eight-hour drive to convince you that I have a good plan. What the fuck is the rush, Kimber? You trying to be dead by Christmas? Just trust me. I'll explain everything in the car tomorrow. You know it's already midnight. Yeah, I know. I've been driving all day. I'm tired as hell. She sighed. (sighs) You just got in today. Yes. From L.A. Close enough. Jesus Christ, woman. Do you have a hotel? Not yet. She shrugged. You you can stay here, then. With you talking so much crazy, I don't trust your lunacy out in the city. Kimber narrowed her eyes at me and then shrugged. That's fine by me. Okay, you can take my room. Give me a minute. Shattered whiskey glass forgotten. I walked through it, and I had to get stitches. I left Kimber standing where she was and went back to my room. After the stitches... I flipped the light on and glanced around. My heart plummeted. The room was disgusting. I'm a heroin addict. I hadn't really looked at it in years. It was really just a place to watch TV or pass out on the heroin. I couldn't remember the last time I had changed the sheets or done any laundry. The girls who usually stayed over didn't care much what they were sleeping on, but this was no place for a girl like Kimber. I stripped the bed as fast as I could and herded bottles, discarded needles, and empty cigarette boxes into the closet. She didn't mind. It filled the entire closet. Can that be your inner voice? Yes. Yes. (laughs) I realized too late that I didn't actually have anything to replace the dirty sheets. 
I was so overwhelmed by the last 40 minutes that I felt tears start to well in my eyes. Get a hold of yourself, you pussy! <laughs> I jumped at a sudden knock on the door. Seth stuck his head in. Oh, did you want to be that voice? I, that was what I was at, but it's fine. Then do it. No, no. Give me the line before. I was so overwhelmed by the last 40 minutes that I felt tears start to well in my eyes. Get a hold of yourself, you fucking pussy! <laughs> I jumped at a sudden knock at the door. Seth stuck his head in. Here. He handed me a stack of clean, folded sheets on top of a blue quilt. I wanted to hug him, but I was still attempting to get my emotions under control. Thanks! Hey, so listen. He said slowly. Does this mean... I mean, is all that stuff about drisking true? I'd never told Seth, or anyone else besides the feds, anything about drisking. What stuff? Oh, come on, man. I hear you talking your sleep all the time. You say all sorts of fucked up stuff. That's why I'd heard your friend's name before. You talked about her in your sleep. What are you talking about? I don't even dream when I sleep. Yeah, you do. You may not remember it, but trust me, you do. I didn't say anything, and Seth started to leave. Oh, one more thing. If you need anything while you're back home, call me. Home. Fucking Drisking was home. Since I lived in a shitty neighborhood, I walked Kimber down to her car to get her bag out of the back seat. She dropped her duffel on the thankfully dark carpet of my freshly cleaned room, which was still barely passable. At the very least, I'd know she was here and safe. I'd always wondered if Clary and Prescott were having me watched. If they were, Kimber was in danger by just being in Chicago. It probably was a good idea to leave me in the morning. Ah, it was probably a good idea to leave in the morning. I settled down on the couch and pulled out my personal stash, which I'd pocketed while kicking garbage into my closet earlier. I needed it tonight of all nights, and it was going to be one of my last that I would make it count. Thirty minutes later, I floated down the familiar river of dark, dreamless sleep. They're gonna fuck. No, he's gonna pass out from all the heroin. They're gonna fuck, though. I don't think so. Chapter three. <clears throat> Trauma does not make one moist. Yeah, but he's the protagonist. He's got the protag dick. <laughs> the pro... The pro... You can't quite make it work. If there was a similar end sound, you can make it work. It's not. Prococket. Chapter 3. I didn't remember dreaming, but I knew I had. I woke up feeling like I'd run 30 miles, drenched in sweat and fighting to draw in air with raw, ragged breaths. I sat up on the couch and rubbed my face. What time was it? Why was I in the living room? Why did I feel a malicious black cloud looming over me like some sort of comic strip character? And then it all came back, crashing like waves over my head. Holy shit, Kimber was here. And she wanted something. I felt the fear shower me like ice-cold rain as I recalled pieces of the night before. We were going back. Kimber's bag was next to the door and she was sitting at the table reading one of Seth's Look How Smart I Am philosophy books. As I sat up, I slid the evidence of my addiction under the couch with my foot, praying she hadn't already seen it. Morning, Sam. Kimber smiled without looking up from her book. Why in the fuck are you so chipper? You remember where we're going, right? Yes. She put the book down and looked at me, beaming. I've just missed you so much. It was a genuine statement, and my mouth twitched into a little smile at her words. God damn it, I was happy to see her too. Buried underneath all the fear and numbing pain was a glowing euphoria. I had never been happier than when I was with Kimber and Kyle, and one of them had actually come back from the void of the past. I stood up. 
Just let me shower and pack, and then we can get on the road. That is, if you're still planning on going. Yes, I am. She said. Are you? Yeah, it appears that I am. I'd run out of arguments. Seth had already left for the day, so I locked the apartment as we headed down to Kimber's car. A ten-year-old Mazda sedan. She took my bag and threw it in the back seat next to hers and then climbed in. So, eight hours, huh? I asked as she started the engine. Yep. But I can probably do it in seven. Fuck me, don't rush on my account. Kimber pulled her sunglasses down and pulled out of the apartment complex. I looked back and wondered if I'd ever see its crumbling graffiti-covered walls again. Or if I even wanted to. Stop staring at me. What? You're not as sly as you think you are. Kimber muttered. Sorry, it's just... I never thought I'd see you again. Neither did I. She sighed. I've been looking in the mirror for years and I just... I don't even see myself anymore, you know what I mean? I don't have a reflection. I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. (laughs) How can you invite yourself into your own house, huh? You know how much I miss garlic? You look good. Pretty. You know, pale. I stumbled all over my compliment. Kimber raised an eyebrow. Thanks, I think. I laughed nervously. You know what I mean. You look like you've done well for yourself the last ten years. Kimber frowned and remained quiet for a minute, as if debating whether to tell me something. I've never told anyone where I came from, she said finally. My mom said she had family in Anaheim, but I couldn't find them. Everyone thought I was just a runaway. Cops picked me up almost immediately and put me in a halfway house. Sorry about your car, by the way. They impounded it. I don't suppose you ever got it back. I shrugged. No, but who cares? It was a smart car. Kimber threw me a sympathetic look. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about the smart car, specifically. It wasn't great. (laughs) Anyway... The halfway house kept trying to identify me, so I ran away from there, too. Fully loaded. Eventually, I got a job. Highest trim level. Southern California is a great place to live if you don't have an ID, by the way. It was like 60 miles to the gallon. Yeah, like 16. I'm I'm sure, I said. After that, I went to community college, and yeah, I've just uh, been sort of biding my time. Are you sure you want to throw that all away? Just to expose your rapist. Kimber winced at my words, and I immediately regretted them. (laughs) No. Him I want dead, and throw all what away. I've been planning this for an entire decade. Well, you've still done better than me. I'm a... I have... My life's... My life is a mess. Were you really in prison? Kimber asked. Yeah. She didn't say anything. Felony possession. I volunteered. Kimber nodded. And you're still... I knew what she was thinking. Yes. I said. So what's your plan? Well, first we're going to rent a room just outside of town. Remember that one motel off exit 113? Prince Ridge Inn or something? Oh, you think motels are for sex? (laughs) That is what we're going towards. No. Outside of town. I like it. And then I'm going to meet with my contacts sometime tomorrow. Right. And then we just go from there? Go from there? Yeah. Kimber nodded but wouldn't look at me. Please don't tell me this is your plan. Our contact will give us some more direction. Your contact? Yeah. Do I know this guy? I asked. I didn't say it was a guy, and it doesn't matter. Why wouldn't it matter? Because this person has told me stuff that can only mean they are on our side. Yeah, like what? I asked. Like the sheriff's schedule. My dad. Yeah. 
he's he's still sheriff in Drisking. I hadn't doubted that. What else? I asked. Okay, well, they also told me that they know where all the records are. What records? You know, all the data from the Baraska operation, the incriminating stuff. All right. And, well, they told me things about Kyle. Yeah? I can tell you things about Kyle, too. Sam. Kyle's gone. No, he isn't. No? Actually, yeah, because I saw him with my own eyes before I left town. I talked to him, too. He's empty, Kimber. There's no one there. You're wrong. He's a total vegetable. You're wrong. That's wrong. My source told me he's just sedated. Sedated? Sedated for nine years, Kimber? Yes. She said with false conviction. So your source is just telling you things you want to hear? I believe it's true. Kimber, I saw what they did to Kyle. They straight up beat the death into him. The only part of Kyle left on this earth is his mangled body. Stop, Sam. I'm sorry. I just... I can't go through this again. Not with Kyle. I've already mourned him, and you should too. We need to know for sure. Hold up, wait, so this trip isn't about actually getting the records or killing the asshole or hurt you or helping those people. This is some sort of ill-conceived rescue mission, isn't it? Partially. So that's your rush, then. You got some bad info that Kyle's alive, and you're running off half-cocked to get him. No. Why don't we go straight to his house and pick him up, then? We can be back on the road before dawn. I don't know where he is. The Landys moved him. Then what are we doing? If I'm going to die for this, Kimber, I deserve to know why. She jerked the wheel to the side of the highway and slammed on her brakes. Fuck, Kimber! I yelled. My head cracked against the window and I was still seeing stars when I realized that Kimber was out of the car. I rubbed my head until the throbbing stopped and then followed her to the back where she was standing over the open trunk. Inside were dozens of guns, <laughs> at least 30 of them. There were rifles, handguns, a shotgun, and boxes of boxes of ammo. Are you planning to storm the Alamo? Does this look like Kyle? is all that I'm after. I'm actually a little scared of you right now. I want all of this to end. I want Kyle back, yes, and it's true. That's that. That's why I showed up so suddenly. But I want more than that, Sam. I want him dead. I understood her hatred for Clary. But if we were going to murder people, I wanted Jimmy Prescott dead as well. And when the time came, and if I was certain he was culpable, my father too. How'd you get all these? Kimber shrugged. It's taken me a few years, lots of traveling around the southwest to gun shows and stuff. Okay, we'll close the fucking trunk before someone driving... Okay, we'll close the trunk before someone driving by sees your fucking arsenal. This is Illinois, for fuck's sake. She slammed it shut and we got back in the car where I sat rubbing my head and lamenting at the bump that was already forming there. When I realized Kimber hadn't started the car, I looked up to find her gripping the steering wheel tightly and staring straight out of the windshield. She was fighting back tears. Kimber, I'm sorry, I said. She blinked a few times to clear her eyes. I'm being a total asshole. I don't know what's wrong with me. But I did know. My mind was clouded from years of drug use. I had no filter, and I had problems controlling my emotions, which swung back and forth like the pendulum on a clock and changed just as often. No, I... I never should have asked you to come. It was wrong. She breathed the last word, and she dropped her hands from the steering wheel. Wrong. Asked, I said. She covered her face. You're right. I manipulated you. You don't even know me anymore. You shouldn't be here. I leaned over the center console and hugged her. Kimber recoiled at my touch like I'd deliver her an electric shock. <laughs> I'm sorry. Shit, I'm sorry. I said. No, it's okay. I just... I, I don't like to be touched. Or fucked, for that matter. I don't <laughs> like either of those things. This was the new Kimber. 
pulled out a pack of my marbles and lit a cigarette without asking if it was okay. Fuck, Kimber, I'm a piece of shit. I've always been a piece of shit. I probably should be here, honestly. You've given me the opportunity to do something with my life, but I'm fucking scared and it's making me a dick. Kimber leaned back and wiped her eyes. You really don't have that much to worry about, Sam. You're still the son of the sheriff and he won't hurt you. I considered this too and it made my skin crawl. Son of the sheriff. If what I suspected was true, then that would make me heir to Baraska. My stomach lurched in revulsion. Is that how he thinks sheriffs work? Uh-huh. Heir to the kingdom of uh, fuck-up uh, baby mills. That's what he thinks the yep, sheriff yep, yep. is. He's really excited about it, too. Oh my god. Maybe. God, he's read a book. Let's just get to the hotel and we'll decide what to do. We probably want to make as little noise as possible while we figure out where Clary and Prescott are. Maybe. Let's just get back to the hotel and we'll decide what to do. We probably want to make as little noise as possible while we figure out where Clary and Prescott are. We do not want anybody to know we're back in town. Kimber nodded. And the sheriff. And, and the sheriff. I didn't want to think about it. I had buried the assumptions about my father's guilt years ago. I had enough black tar heroin to kill a horse. I guess it was time to remember. Time to remember. Pepperidge Farm remembers. You know where heroin used to cost a nickel? <laughs> Pepperidge Farm remembers. Pepperidge Farm remembers. That's a black, the black tar triple cookie. Plug screen. in your China White and go to crazy town. Have yourself a little nod in the town square. Pepperidge Farm remembers. <laughs> Paraska remembers. Um, yeah. Uh, they are gonna have sex. <laughs> no, they're they not. They are gonna no have sex. No matter how many times you do the hand jive, it's not gonna happen. They are gonna have sex. What's the thing I called in the other Braska, like, really early, and it turned out to be true? That uh, Kimber and Kyle were brother and sister. They are gonna have sex. Hand I think if anyone is gonna be having sex, it's probably gonna be Kyle when we realize that he's not, like, actually fucked up. Kyle and Kimber, brother and sister, fuck fuck. The, I think... Suck suck. I think there's gonna be a fuck fuck <laughs> and suck suck with the brother and sister, and I also think there's gonna be... So, we'll see. We'll see. I wanted to confirm what I thought to be the most valiant effort of this uh, redux so far, which is the car full of guns. Fucking <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. It's now turning into a I hope we read flick. a goddamn shootout. It really has. It really has. I hope we read a shootout at some point between people. I hope there are people shot and revenge had. That's not exactly true, by the way. It's not what? It's not quite a Tarantino flick. If you think about the horror that they've experienced, you can kind of compare it closely to like uh like a knife spit on your grave, a last house on the left kind of situation where like people get revenge on people who, exploitation who, who raped them. Yeah. 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 Yep. That thing has that 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 theme has existed. That's a thing. That's for a, a thing. while. Yep. Ma- Mandy does it. Mandy just came out last year. That's some that's some revenge. Oh, do it's it. My favorite movie of this last year. Really? Oh, absolutely. Wow. I've seen it like eight times. Mandy. Mandy. I own it. You should just come over and watch it I'm, one day. I'm just I would love pull, to watch it. I would love to like do some mushrooms and watch it. Ooh. I'd probably lose my goddamn mind. Ooh. Chapter four. <laughs> We spent the rest of the drive avoiding the topic of Drisking. We talked about people we knew, movies we'd seen, hell, we even made a few jokes that didn't totally fall flat. 
It reminded me of those days when we would sit in the car in the Drisking High parking lot, listening to music and getting stoned. It made me miss Kyle. And weed. I'd given it up for the harder stuff years ago, or to put it more eloquently, if pot was a gateway drug, I'd left it at the gate. What do you think you listen to? Pixies. Creed. The Smiths. <laughs> the closer we got to Drisking, the quieter the car... We're the homes, Waddle, Bottom! The quieter the car became, and by the time we hit the Missouri border, we were in complete silence. Under the sunlight! It had started to snow, and Kimber was completely focused on the drive. I stared out the window until the dread of familiar things passing by made me look away. We were almost there. Welcome to this place! I was gonna say, it's like me going to like any family reunion. I'm just like noticing the telltale signs that remind me we're getting like really close. There's no fucking Starbucks. And I'm like, ah, fuck, I'm doing this sober, aren't I? I'm doing this. I hope my uncles are there with weed so I don't have to do this sober. I'm open fucking shamokin. God damn it. Kimber pulled into the Prince Ridge within the hour and got out to check us in. I stayed in the car, eyeing the other vehicles in the parking lot. Nothing I recognized, but seeing as how it had been almost a decade since I'd been home, I wasn't sure that mattered. The first exit for Drisking, and there were only two, was only four miles down the highway. If Kimber considered this safe, then there was no reason to worry, right? She'd always been the smart one. I jumped as Kimber jerked the car door open and got in. She noticed. You know I'm traveling with you, right? I rolled my eyes. Pardon me for being a little on edge. 209. She said, pointing up to the second floor. I'll drive around. You look for it. The room was at the front of the property facing the highway. I brought our bags upstairs and then stood shivering outside in the cold while I smoked a cigarette. When I was finished, I flicked the cigarette over the railing and watched it fall into the bed of a maroon Dodge Ram. Oops. I followed Kimber inside and was relieved to see that there were two beds and three locks on the door. So far, not a complete disaster. Since it was around six, Kimber wanted to go grab some dinner. Fairtolis? Christians? She suggested. They're both only a few miles away. Uh, no. Prescott artisanal sandwiches, then? <laughs> she winked at me. <laughs> it hasn't changed its name. Nope. <laughs> I said again, ignoring her joke. I mean, we shouldn't leave. We should order delivery or something. Kimber's casual smile fell off of her face. You're worried for no reason. And you're homesick. Kimber's eyes slid to the floor and she sat down on the end of the bed. Probably. I just, I think we need to lay low as much as possible right now. No, you're right. Kimber said and tucked her feet up underneath her. She turned to watch the snow fall through the window. I rubbed my temples as an ache began to ebb in like the tide around my eyeballs. I needed a fix soon. It doesn't snow in Riverside where I live. I miss the snow, Kimber said. Move to Chicago, I said in between deep, measured breaths. It snows five months out of the year. Kimber was silent, and I prayed she was studying a menu. The sooner she got on the phone for delivery, the sooner I could excuse myself to the bathroom and take the edge off. Take the edge off? Take the edge off. He's gonna jack off in the bathroom. He's gonna jack off. I miss Kyle. I looked up to see Kimber still watching the snow, her head leaning against the wall. Me too, I said after a minute. Her eyes snapped to mine, as if she'd forgotten I was there. Shit! I forgot you were there. 
<laughs> Shit! I got up to use the bathroom and took Wait, my. Wait, you skipped an entire. <laughs> did I? Yeah. Oh fuck! You're right, I did. You look hungry. I'll order pizza from Domino's. I remember what you like on it. She said before heroin. <laughs> How'd you know? She said before glancing at the menu next to it. You can buy heroin. <laughs> Just select the two for five ninety nine a piece. We know our heroin hasn't been up to standards, and we want to say we fixed it. <laughs> oh, she said before glancing at a menu next to her on the nightstand. She picked up the phone and began dialing the number. I got up to use the bathroom and took my entire duffel bag with me. Normal. It's normal bathroom movement. If Kimber noticed, she didn't say anything. I forced a slice of pizza down for Kimber's sake, though I wasn't hungry in the least. So tomorrow, I said, taking the bed nearest to the door. What time are we meeting this person? Um, well, it's just going to be me this time. Yeah, Kimber, there's no way I am letting you meet with some random drisking fuckwit by yourself. I have to go alone, or they won't talk to me. Who the fuck is this guy, Kimber? I can't tell you that yet. Is it a woman or a man? I asked. She shook her head at me. And just what is he giving you tomorrow? The files on Baraska? No. Then what? I don't actually know. Kimber, this is crazy. I can't let you go into town alone. Sam. Stop being in such a fucking hurry to die. I snapped at her. Kimber's face paled, and she moved further away from me on her bed. We'll talk about it in the morning, she whispered, and then turned off the lamp. Fine! I laid in the dark for a while, and when I was sure she was asleep, I went back to the bathroom for another hit. By the time I woke up the next morning, Kimber was gone. Come here, boy. I'm gonna give you a slap. Ugh! Chapter 5. I called Kimber 34 times in mm-hmm. 5 minutes. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem possible. Excessive. It was 10 in the morning, and I hadn't heard her leave. I hadn't even woken up when she did. I cursed her and my dope in the same breath. If she didn't answer soon, I would be forced to walk the three and a half miles to downtown Drisking and start asking around for her, a course of action that would get me noticed real fucking quick. I paced the patio for half an hour and smoked cigarette after cigarette, thankful I'd packed an entire carton. Just as I was pulling on my boots to leave, the phone rang. I was alleved. I was alleve. Alleve. I was alleve, the painkiller. Painkiller. My head felt great. I was relieved to see Kimber's number pop up. A new addition to my phone book that would have unfurled a comforting warmth in my stomach if I weren't so irate. I answered. What the fuck? Kimber. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Sam. I had to. He wasn't going to meet with me otherwise. Where are you? I'm in the car. I'm almost back. They haven't plowed yet in town. Really? In bucolic, perfect little drisking, they haven't plowed the roads by ten on a Friday morning? I thought it was weird, too. There's more. I'll tell you when I get there. Don't get off the phone with me until you pull into the parking lot. Okay. I opened the door and went out to wait out in the cold for Kimber's car. My heart didn't slow to a normal rate until I finally saw it driving into the parking lot. She pulled into the space below our door and ran upstairs. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I had to, don't be mad. Are you fucking kidding me with this, Kimber? I'm already on edge. I can't... I can barely fucking breath. Okay, okay. Just sit down. Breath. She's pushed me into the room and sat me down on the edge of the bed, pulling off her gloves. Then she crouched in front of me and took me by the shoulders, looking me in the eye. The sheriff and most of his deputies are engaged today. They're all getting married. They're all, wow. Which I, which I was told means that they're up at 
Baraska. And? And that means that A, they don't know we're here, and B, we can go into town and start discreetly looking around. As opposed to driving up to Baraska and killing them now? Kimber stood up. I want them dead, Sam, more than anything. But you know what else I want? I want their crimes to be known to the world. They don't get to die with their good names. They don't get to be martyrs. You want the records, I said. Yes. What do you plan to do with them if you get them? Upload them onto the internet or something? Send them to the FBI? The FBI doesn't care. We need the records, Sam. I want everyone to know what happens. Kimber's voice had risen an octave, and she seemed on the verge of an anxiety attack. Okay, okay, woo. I stood up. Maybe Seth can help. Your roommate, how? She asked. He does some pretty illegal stuff online. Maybe he can break into a mainframe or whatever and download the files. So he's a hacker? He yells at me when I call him that. Is he any good? I shrugged. He's well known in certain circles. She nodded. Well, we need those files. I just need to find out where they keep them. Are we sure they even keep records on Baraska? It seems like a huge liability. An operation that size has to have records, and my source told me that they exist. Great, your source. I rolled my eyes. Okay, so you want to go into town and what? Ask around about them. Kimber narrowed her eyes at me. That's idiotic. I was thinking more maybe we find out where the Clary house is and, like, get the information out of Grace Clary. I raised my eyebrows at her. You want to torture an old lady? Kimber fucking exploded. An old lady that helped to rape, torture, and murder hundreds of women over 50 years. Fuck yeah, I want to torture that old lady. Alright. Alright, look, I may know someone who might be sympathetic. And I'm reasonably sure that unlike your contact, she's innocent of any knowledge of Baraska. In fact, she's the one who helped me and Kyle find you. At the very least, she'll know where the Clearies live now. The drive into town took twice as long as it should have through the snow. Why haven't they plowed these roads? I asked idly. It's not just the roads, it's everywhere. Kimber said grimly. A lot of stores have closed in town. Buildings are in disrepair. Everything looks like shit. They don't even have any Christmas lights up. It's bizarre. It's fucking weird. Are we even sure that Baraska is still running? The town looks pretty destitute. I am. Kimber said and pointed to a bulletin board on the corner of 2nd and Osborne, which had six different and seemingly recent missing persons posters. What the fuck is going on? I murmured as we turned on a main and into the downtown marketplace. Everything in town was as Kimber had described, run down and ostensibly poor. What happened to this place? I don't know. But lucky for us, the antique shop is still in business. Kimber said, pointing across the road. As we parked, I zipped my parka up from the neck and lowered my hat down the eyes. Kimber did the same. The most important thing right now was not being recognized. Super... Super inspiration from Silent Hill. If we already talked about that when we were in the first time, a little bit, but I mean the fact that um, you know it's kind of taking the route of what actually happened in that town. Like everything just slowly started to get shut down. Oh, in Centralia. Yeah. Yeah. Also true. Mister Dranger was still behind the antiques counter after all these years, but gone was his air of haughtiness and pretentious stare. He regarded us coolly but professionally until it was clear we were only traveling through his shop get the Catherine Scanlon's office at the back. He mumbled something under his breath, and though I didn't catch it, I was reasonably sure there had been no sign of recognition in his face nor his words. 
When we arrive at the office door of the Historic Preservation Society of Drisking, I knocked softly and listened for Catherine's voice. Said the door was yanked violently open by a man I'd never seen before. May I help you? He asked as he eyed us up and down. Uh, yeah, yes. Yes, you can, I said. All right, then, come on in. I'm Don Wheeler, and you are? Kimber and I exchanged a careful look and entered the room cautiously. Actually, we're looking for Catherine Scanlon, I said. I didn't like the way he was staring at Kimber. Oh, Miss Scanlon, he said, not taking her eyes from her. You haven't heard, then. My stomach retched. We haven't, Kimber said, pulling her jacket around her more tightly. Sad business, truly. Disappeared, oh, nine years ago now, ten. Most people assume she didn't take Wyatt's death well and just walked out into the woods to... Don Wheeler suddenly looked up and seemed to remember his audience. I'm so sorry. Were, were you all friends? I ignored his question and asked one of my own. Did she ever surface again? Maybe in another state? No, I'm afraid she's dead. Don Wheeler shook his head. She was such a young thing, too. And her... remains... Kimber asked. Nothing was ever found, I'm afraid. I was starting to feel ill. Uh, well then, we better... Um... Do you happen to know where the Clarys live? Kimber interrupted. Grace and Killian, of course, old friends of mine. Fuck. But you must have heard... Thank you for your time. We really have to go. Come on, Allison. I yanked Kimber out of the room and shut the door behind us. Before I could get a harsh word out, I fell against the wall, trying to quell the building panic and nausea. You should be my internal voice. He knew. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't have asked. Kimber said quickly. I just thought maybe. I held the finger up as I leaned against the wall with my head between my knees, trying to compose myself. Kimber rubbed my back as I swallowed down the bile and waited for the dizziness to pass. Finally, I stood up. We have to go. <laughs> I didn't even look at Dranger as we made our way out of the shop, but I could feel him watching us. My mind briefly wandered into the past, and I wondered where his daughter was now. I'd never liked Phoebe, but I hoped she'd escape this town. Prayed she had. The streets were busier than they had been several minutes before when we entered the antique shop. There were several dozen people trudging through the snow down Main. I wasn't sure where they were heading, since half the stores were closed and the city hadn't bothered to put up the tree this year. Kimber walked around the driver's side of the door of our car. I stared over her head at the people walking by across the street. I hoped my height, my beard, my skeleton-like frame disguised me well enough because people were starting to look back. I almost hoped one of them was a Cleary or a Prescott or the fucking sheriff. We had a trunk full of guns and I wanted this all over with. I needed to go back to the motel and bury myself in smack. And this time I didn't even want to wake up again. And then suddenly, just as Kimber sat down in the driver's seat, just as Kimber sat down in the driver's seat, I did recognize someone. It was Mira Grady, and she was holding a little boy's hand. And as I stared, I realized who that little boy was. And then I saw nothing but red. Grady. He died. He died. He he just died in that last sentence. And then I saw nothing but red. Dead. Or he closed his eyes. He his, saw his, his brain exploded. He saw his eyelids. No, his brain exploded. Um, so Mira is who he worked for at Prescott's Artisanal Sandwiches. So, um, oh. so her having a child means that the child might have been his sister's. Uh, what? Maybe. Uh. Unless uh, the kid has a specific hair color that we don't know about. This yet. name shit. This name shit. 
I'll try to. I've listened to Baraska more than you have. I'll remind you of things okay. when we I come along. Them. Thank you. Chapter six. Oh. My body was moving, but I wasn't in control of it. I was suddenly walking across the street in the most intense rage I have ever felt. How dare she? How dare she in front of Mira before I could get back in control? What the fuck do you think you're doing? She jumped and her eyes snapped up to my face in fear. Excuse me? She pushed the kid behind her. Let go of my nephew. What? Who? Who are you? This is my son! She yelled. People were stopping to watch. That is Whitney Walker's son, and you know it, you cold-blooded, callous bitch. Mira's face had gone white. Sam? Give me my fucking nephew, Mira. The boy started quietly crying and whispering, Mommy, in distress. Mama. <laughs> Mama. What are you doing? Stop it. Kimber was pulling at my arm, trying to turn me back towards the car, but I wasn't moving. I was seething with a fury I had suppressed for nine years. Owen! Mira started screaming. Owen, please! Grady came sprinting out of the doorway of, of the stop next door. He took one look at the situation and pushed his wife and the boy behind him and raised his fist to hit me, but there was fear in his eyes. Let's go, Sam! I heard Kimber yell. Give me my nephew! I screamed at Owen in a spitting red rage, and suddenly I felt a slap across my face. The strike served its purpose. Reality began to bleed back into the world, and I realized exactly where I was and what I was doing. Kimber was standing in front of me, in between Owen and I. Her hood had fallen down in the commotion, and her hair was spilling out of her beanie and down her back in a wild, bright waterfall of crimson. She looked scared. And hot. We were exposed. Owen Grady lowered his fist and seemed to realize who I was. He began screaming at the top of his lungs. Get the cops! Get the sheriff! Get now! I was already moving, climbing into the driver's seat of Kimber's car, leaving her no choice but to get on the other side. She handed me the keys and I turned the car on and hit the gas, giving no regard to the slippery roads. Kimber screamed as I fishtailed, trying to get off Maine, and then at every corner after desperate to escape the scene I'd caused. The car slid into a snowdrift just outside of town. I rocked the car in and out of drive and reverse until the tires finally found purchase on the road, and then we were speeding out of town again. There were no other options. I'd blown it. I knew exactly where I needed to go now. Stop! Stop and get out of the car, Sam. You're high! You'll kill us both. Don't do their work for them. That was Whitney's son. That was my nephew. Why would you think that, Sam? Because I know. I put it together years ago. You want me to trust you and your mysterious source? Well, trust me when I say that that kid was my nephew. Okay, just slow down, please. Where are you taking us? Where we should have gone in the first place. No. Kimber was shaking her head wildly. Sam, no. We can't go there. Not yet. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I have to go. They know we're here now. The sheriff will be hunting us by nightfall. It's now or never. But the car will never make it up that road. Oh, I'm willing to bet that road is plowed. Going all the way up to... to... Yes. I was right. Less than two miles away, we found that road. It was one I had used only once, and by all logic, I should only barely remember it, but I had seen that dirt road in my nightmares for years. It was the road I had sped down trying to save my best friend. I'd failed then. I wouldn't now. We drove up the side of the mountain in Kimber's Mazda at an unmanageable speed. 
I needed to get to Baraska before the adrenaline wore off. I needed to kill them all. Clary, Prescott, my father, all the deputies, the local cops, everyone involved, and I needed to die doing it. I wanted to. But then where did that leave Kimber? The higher we got up the mountain, the clearer the air and the clearer my mind. The uncontrollable madness that had puppeted my every action for the last 30 minutes was draining away. I chanced to glance over at Kimber. Her face was as pale as a moonbeam, but her jaw was set in resolve. She was with me 100% even though we were on a suicide mission. My heart lurched. My death was inevitable, even acceptable, but Kimber had already suffered so much I couldn't bring her back to Baraska, could I? I slowed the car to a stop when I realized that I couldn't remember why we were headed up to Baraska in the first place. They knew we were here, right? No. Or did they? What had I done? I couldn't remember what had happened in town, but I didn't want to admit it. Will you drive us back to the hotel? I asked as my heart slowed and the strength began to drain from my body. No. Kimber said softly, staring into the trees next to us. She turned to look at me. We're already here. The road kept winding up the mountain, but subconsciously or not, I had stopped right at the proverbial gates of the North Central Mine, known as Hell on Earth to many, and Baraska to the rest. I felt paralyzed, unable to move or speak or even think. I listened intently for the sounds that had scored my nightmares, but all was silent as death. They would know we were here. They would have heard us coming. It was now or never. Stay in the car, Kimber, I told her, and she gave me a look I couldn't read as I opened the door. I walked to the back of the car, popped the trunk, and pulled out a 9mm Beretta I had seen when she showed me the guns on the highway. Checking to make sure the clip was loaded, I chambered around. I knocked gently on Kimber's window, and she rolled it down, her eyes glued to the gun in my hand. Stay here, I whispered, and if you hear any gunfire, bolt. She gave me an appraising look. I don't think you're in any space to do this right now. I knelt down in the snow so that I was on eye level with her. I agree with you, but this is the only chance we have, right? It wasn't a rhetorical question, but she didn't know that. Because of your fucking antics in town. Kimber said icily. She opened the car door. I'll go with you. No. I hissed into the cold mountain air. But she was already walking to the back of the car and opening the trunk. I knew any confrontation with her at this point would be so loud I had to weigh my options carefully. Kimber pulled out the pump-action shotgun. Do you even know how to use that? I asked. Kimber racked the shotgun with one hand as she walked past me towards the mind. Don't mock me, Sam. You'd be very surprised what I know about guns. Her point taken, I ran to catch up. You know if we do this now, we'll never get the records. They'll be dead, we'll be dead, but Baraska will just continue. Maybe we should wait. It was your idea to come here now. I'm, I'm having second thoughts. But isn't that your life, Sam? A series of second thoughts and regrets? She snapped. Shh. Jesus, Kimber. This is just recon, okay? Don't get spotted and don't make a fucking sound, I whispered. That was biting. <laughs> the snow, <laughs> yes. It's like you be very quickly forgot what she just said. Isn't that your life, Sam? Aren't you just a fucking idiot? <laughs> don't you don't you want to do something every time and then don't fucking do it and regret not doing it you like every time? Shit. I'm leading. Shit. I'm leading. Get behind me. The snow this far up <laughs> The snow this far up the mountain was almost a foot deep. There would be no hiding that we had been here if some if we somehow got out of here alive. We made our way into the camp using the trees as cover, and as we moved, I noticed that the driveway into Baraska showed no signs of tire tracks in the new snowfall. 
Were they sleeping up here? Were there sentries on duty, even now watching us? I turned around to find Kimber, but she was now more than ten yards to my left and further away than I could hope to whisper. The closer we got to the camp, the more I began to feel it. Something was wrong, very wrong. I could see the dorms through the trees, still standing exactly as I remember them. However, the skin and men sign had lost a support and was buckling precariously in the middle. The large building that housed the shiny gentleman was also still standing, and the door had been left slightly ajar so that I could see the conveyor belt feeding into the machine. My blood, like everything else around me, froze to ice. Kimber was suddenly beside me, her hand clenched around the shotgun, which hung at her side. It's gone, she said, louder than I would have liked. She was right. It was too quiet. It's gone! <laughs> it looks that way, I croaked and bent over at the waist to quiet a sudden dizziness. She turned to look at me, wide-eyed and panicked. Tears began to well at the corners of her eyes. I stood up to give her a hug, and she pushed me away. It's gone. It's all gone. I took a few deep breaths. Let me look around. We should check the dorms. Kimber tried to swallow a sob when I glanced over at her. Had I really just suggested she walk back into the dorms after we just happened to after what had happened to her there? Was I that fucking cruel? I was a fucking mess. I gently pushed the shotgun up and closer to her chest to stay here. I stepped out into the clearing in no particular hurry. If I was going to get shot, I sure as hell wasn't going to die cramped and tired. But the air in the camp was still, and no bullets came out to meet me. I wanted to get in and out of the dorm as fast as possible. This was a terrible place. So much suffering, so much pain and death. If there was no enemy to kill, then I wanted to step off the hollow grounds as quickly as I could and get the fuck out of there. I opened the same door that Kyle and I had first gone into almost ten years before. The stench still lingered, drifting in the stale air and mingling with the fear and tension that had yet to dissipate after a decade. But the beds were gone. <clears throat> I went quickly from room to room and verified that the building was completely empty. Kimber saw me emerge from the other door, and I gave her a shake of my head. I was only a few steps away from the building when I began to feel dizzy again. Oh, shit, I'm dizzy. My vision narrowed, and I started to lose control. Lose control. The last thing I heard was Kimber's voice as she screamed my name, and then came the familiar, welcoming darkness. Damn. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and that is all we are going to read. On this here, was he attacked? Episode? Was he no, drugged? I think I think his withdrawal is. Uh, he's like his like not doing drugs is fucking with him. Well, that's it. That's uh. There's no more story. That's it. They went back to Nebraska <laughs> and everything was cool. And the shiny gentleman was gone. The the yeah the mine was gone. Everyone was gone. It makes sense. Yeah. I mean, this is where I remind. Close. <laughs> this is where I have to remind you. Uh, that seems like case we... is closed. <laughs> I could finally put this one away after so many years. Uh, put this one in the file cabinet, boys. And then it's like the clip from Indiana Jones, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, where the guy's like going through the warehouse and he's like pushing it away. He's like going to put it away in like a warehouse of unused shit. Never seen it. God, fuck! <laughs> oh, shit. But it's like a meme now. So I've never funny. seen movies. I don't see movies. Even Family Guy's done it. <laughs> I've never seen Family Guy. <laughs> 
I've never seen a single thing of him. Great. Yet. So anyway, this was... <laughs> Is that a game show? We are going to do... Uh, to be continued. There is... T-B-C. We got two more parts to do, and we're going to keep them about this length, because it's nice and easy. Yep. And uh, what did you think of uh, our return to Baraska? Uh, so far, I am in the position where I, I don't love the direction the story's going, with the fucking trunk full of goddamn guns, <laughs> but I also have enough patience, and it's not horrible yet, that I'm willing to see where it goes. That's how I feel. I agree. I'm in the same mindset. I do think that by... I've, I do think that by, you know, continuing from where we were last left, it's almost cheap. You know, like he's had so much time to think about it and think about where he wants to take it. Right. And, and it's almost like... Um, it's like the prequels to Star Wars. It's, you know, it's like... It's like George did it so longer after the fact of everything that it's kind of all up in the air at the end, just kind of like, did we need it? Yeah. Did we, though? Yeah. I just hope it. if there's an ending, if there's anything to gain, then I will be happy because his arguing with Mira about the possibility of his nephew... Uh, is a little a little ham fisted for me. I, I think right. I think his relationship with Mira, you know, was was nice. You know, it was good. From what I remember, they had a nice relationship. So it's like uh, she wasn't able to have kids. You know, like so she bought a Baraska baby. Like let's not why not let's not hold why it not? against her. Like so many of those kids have grown up to have. Okay, lives. Right. You know, not knowing that they're a part of a terrible system. Like, right. you know, I I don't know. I I think like, uh, give me this child. Like it does. It doesn't work for me. Personally. Let me have the child. Let, I am a heroin addict. I will take the. Child. I can take care of this child. Give me the child, please. <laughs> please. This child. Um, yeah, I think that. That's been... That's tough. I mean, I know he's on drugs and stuff, but... She was barren. And she said, you know what? I'm a nice lady. I have a very profitable sandwich business. I have a lot of sandwich... It was in the red. She was always crying about how little business the shop did. I have a pretty shitty sandwich business. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm really in debt. Let me just really quick log on to BarascaBabies.com. Uh-huh. I select which baby I want. Uh Uh-huh. I select my shipping method, which... Which was Whitney. Which was which was just Whitney like, Walker. It's a day. She selected Whitney Walker. Yeah, because they just they don't even have to put said, it in the box. And then it said, "Okay, nine months. It'll be here in nine yeah, months." Nine months. And she was like, <laughs> she called then, and she was like, "Is this right? Because I live like five minutes away from you guys. <laughs> it's gonna take nine months." And she was like, "Okay, thanks so much. Bye." And then she well, left a one star. Got this baby in nine months. months. Fucking baby. <laughs> but it was forty dollars. That's a good. It's <laughs> a good deal. On PayPal, Bitcoin. I've spent more on a pizza order. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so can you really complain about nine months? Really? No. No, no you can't. No, you can't. And, uh... <laughs> How much heroin can you buy with 40 bucks? Can I just tell Almost you that I, I want I want, to, I want this to be on record. Yeah. Um, do, do I, it was either I do this to you 
and we do this. Which I'm so thankful you did this, by the way. But of, over three episodes. Yeah. Um, I just thought it would be better to do it quicker to be more relevant. That's true. That's true. Or... Or what I had planned ever since we did Baraska, I wanted to do the part three to our um, spooky games stuff. I found more spooky games. Oh, stuff. spooky games. That's one of... I, I don't I don't know if I talk about that episode enough. 34 and 35 are like some of my favorite episodes. Oh, that's cool. When you and I when you and I theoretically talk about like these creepy pasta games, mm-hmm. um like the rituals. Yeah. I really I really like that episode. It's a really fun series and I found a bunch of stories like Reddit No Sleep and Creepy Pasta stories about people playing those games from I those think episodes. The Channel Zero No End House probably was part of that renaissance. Yeah. You know? Because they were like, yeah. oh, fucking, this is we now can, this famous ritual game. We can story off of, yeah. um, off of, off of other stories. <laughs> um, they've even made movies ever since we last did that part. Like, um, they did a Midnight Man movie. Oh, yeah, you told me about that. Yeah. Yeah. You should, you should, I mean, obviously we're never going to like watch indie, it. It's like indie, right? It's probably garbage. Not... Um, it's like a, it's like a, yeah. Fairly low budget film. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Interesting. But it's just like, I like that series. So we were either going to do that for an episode, or I said, let's just get this over with. Let's put the Baraska up your ass. Yeah. Uh, a new, a new part, part, part a, four. A new hope. Part four. Yeah. A new hope. Where they go back in time to the Wild Wild West. <laughs> and they say, we can't get these babies up well, to 88 I do, miles Well, I hour. do declare, these babies, they just... They're sprouting up out of the ground. What do we do Great with them? Scott. We gotta sell them. We gotta the sell these gone. babies. And then, and the rest is history. You're saying, Great Scott. You're saying my mom, Doc. You're saying my mom <laughs> wants to make a baby mill with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just laughing because that's like what Whitney said about her dad when when. He raped her. <laughs> when he raped her yeah. repeatedly. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, anyway. Episode 125. This episode is brought to you by... Yeah. Squirrel's face. <laughs> Squirrel's face. Squirrel's face. Your best, your best web domain publisher by, <laughs> by squirrels. <laughs> Have you ever wanted a professional looking box for your squirrels in your front yard? Have you ever wanted a professional website built by squirrels? By squirrels. It won't work. It won't work. It won't work, but it's cute. We'll send you a video of them trying to build you a website. Oh, well, I really want I really want to display my new restaurant idea. Can you Squirrel Space, can you give me a good website? Uh, absolutely not. But here's a fun video where we hired three squirrels to make your website. If you use uh, promo code heroin, uh <laughs> You'll get 20% off your Squirrel Space website. Domino's. <laughs> Use the promo code Domino's. Now right. with 50% more hair. <laughs> you can get 30% off a professional looking website made by squirrels. That's that's perfect. That's great. Oh, man. This is going to be something, isn't it? Yeah. These next couple parts are going to yeah, be yeah. something, aren't they? For sure. Damn it, man. Two to the one, to the one to the three. I like the pussy and I like the tree. Smoke so much weed, you wouldn't believe. And I get more ass than a toilet seat.